Hi, and welcome to the Productized Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, you can find the Productized Podcast from your favorite podcast player app, and you can subscribe from there. This is our show where we talk with productizers and innovators and cover the stories behind great product experiences and why it matters to innovators and makers like you. All right. So, hi, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of season eight of the Productize podcast. This is the podcast where innovators, geeks, creators, and entrepreneurs come to discuss impactful ideas. And our mission is to inspire people to impactful action. So my name is Andre Marquis, and I'll be your host. Our guest today is Agnes Kaznav, and she's a principal product manager at Kepler. Hi, Agnes, the leading provider of data and analytics to the commodities market. Agnes started her career as a financial software developer in Reuters in 2005 and has over 16 years of industry experience. In her role, she had numerous customer interactions trying to understand their needs in order to always deliver value to them. And as a result, her career naturally developed into product management, combining her technical knowledge with ability to understand and help users. Agnes joined Kepler in 2020, where she leads data sourcing from the numerous reports sent by the providers, as well as infrastructure to extract and enrich the data. At the same time, she's also responsible for internal tools that enable the Kepler analyst team to fine-tune the data before exposing them to customers. Welcome, Agnes. Nice to have you. Thank you. you. Happy to be here. Good to have you. So over 16 years of experience in the financial industry, including product management, financial software development, team leadership experience in an agile environment. Want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, Andre, you just summed it up very, very well. Um, I started my career 16 years ago as a software engineer in France and slowly transitioned to product management, which is a domain I'm really, really passionate about. Um, I have a degree in computer science applied to financial markets, and I have worked in companies such as Reuters, CME, S&P, and now Kepler, always on development of softwares serving the finance industry. You know, back in the day when you were still starting your journey, um, I know you're a French national, and I, I'm curious at what age did you choose the area you wanted to pursue at the university? I don't really understand how the, you know, the French um, education system yeah. works exactly, at least compared to, mm-hmm. you know, the Portuguese and other systems. So um, at what age do you actually choose what do you want to go when mm-hmm. you end up going to the university? Oh, that's a very good question, um, because I think I joined university uh, primarily to study mathematics, because um, from quite early in school, um, I got a preference for scientific topics, you know, like maths, physics, etc. So to be fair, pursuing these topics to uni was quite logical to me. Um, initially, I never thought about studying anything else, and I suppose I joined uni with the idea of, you know, becoming a teacher or something like that. And, well, I don't remember if I had any specific career ideas in mind, but when I started uni, I discovered subjects like computer science, and I really, really enjoyed it from the beginning. 
So, well, I see. I see. I think at some point I changed my plan, and basically I gave up on the idea of becoming a teacher. And well, I started to think that you know a career in tech would be pretty cool. So that's how everything started, I guess. In inside the university. Yes. Yeah. I, I discovered a lot of. I mean, just tech topics that I, I was not really familiar with before, mm-hmm. and I really, really enjoyed them. Yeah. What, what, what did you study? Oh, um, I studied principally uh, in Brittany, northwest of France. So, um, yeah, and I've done as well uh, in southwest. Uh, in, in, um, well, I've, I've studied southwest and, and northwest and then and uh, so- southeast. Sophia, and Sophia Antipolis, yeah. right? Exactly. I did my last year in Sophia Antipolis in this. Yeah. Cool. Did you like it? Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. So looking back, do you feel you would change anything about your, you know, decisions mm. um, back then? Well, to be fair, well, I don't think so, to be honest. Well, I don't think I would change anything. Maybe if I had to change something, maybe I think I would have moved abroad earlier, like mm. during uni, you know, because mm-hmm. I think that's an amazing experience. I love you know, learning about cultures, countries, people, and living abroad is so enriching. But, well, other than that, no, I'm pretty happy with the choice I've made. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moving abroad is, is such an important mm-hmm. um, opportunity nowadays kids yeah. kids have, which I guess oh, yes. maybe in our generation was, you know, it, arguably it was not as easy. I mean, it was mm-hmm. not impossible, definitely, but... Um, yeah, maybe yeah, not as but less. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nowadays, less common. You know, less common. Yeah. Less common. Yeah. Exactly. It yeah. took any any given kid has been yeah. you know doing Erasmus here or there yeah. has been yeah. doing several university experience. That's great. Yeah. That's a that's a great way to do uni. Um, totally agree. So how mm-hmm. how important do you think that STEAM areas and here STEAM of mm-hmm. course for those that don't know is science, technology, engineering, um, yeah. arts mathematics mm-hmm. are in the future of this uh, of tech companies because yeah. you know we have mm-hmm. this decoupling right let me just try to explain here where the question is coming from of you know at least in europe even in in the us to a certain extent people are not at least kids are not uh, enrolling into steam as you would expect given mm-hmm. the, the sheer amount of job offers in the it tech space um mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, and there seems to be this decoupling. So um, companies like yours that are moved by data, they're moved by technology, they're moved by, you know, essentially um, geoengineering engineering efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like anyone in the space is complaining we don't have enough, you know, people or it's hard to recruit or it's really. So how do you think it's, you know, it's, yeah, um, is it important to yeah. incentivize kids to go into STEAM mm. um, or even to STEAM-related university courses? Yeah, I think it's it's crucial. It's very important. And I would like to insist on an aspect of the STEAM. Um, so basically, um, well, first, uh, you just mentioned it, but I, I would like to, to enforce it. It's important for our audience to start by explaining what STEAM means and where the acronym comes from, because it, you will understand and it will clarify a lot of things. Uh, because before STEAM, we used to talk about STEM, and STEM means science, technology, engineering, and math, okay, S-T-E-M. 
So pretty much what I studied, okay, very techy subject. Um, but it's been a few years now that STEM is evolving towards STEAM. So you, you see, we're adding an A, which stands for art. And that's very, very important. And you will ask, I mean, people here maybe might ask, art, what does he, what does he do with tech companies? Art, I mean, uh, if, you know, what is it? And that's crucial to understand to the next generation that, okay, today, um, I mean, well, art, uh, what, what art will do in, in, this, in this game is that it brings creativity and innovation to our product. So here I'll talk as a product manager because today a good product is not only about tech. It's about aesthetics, design, user experience. In few words, it's about understanding human behaviors, which at the end of the day, for me, it's not. You see what I mean? So it's crucial that we put an A in the game. It's not only tech, it's art as well, human behaviors. And, you know, just to... Um, I think Steve Jobs is one of the very first person who started to, to shift from STEM to STEAM. You know, if you look at the first iPhone back in the day and the first iPad, when they launched them, it was indeed a tech revolution. On the tech side, it was amazing. But the success didn't come only from the tech. It came from the subtle mix between tech and not. And nowadays, this is crucial. STEM topics, so uh, science, technology, engineering, math are super important, are crucial. Uh, that's really something that are, I mean, I mean, very important for all the tech companies indeed. But it's A, this art, this human behaviors, this, um, I mean, all the concepts around user experience and design are crucial now. So to answer your question, uh, well, one side of your question about how important I think STEAM are in the future of tech companies, in my opinion, tech companies who are not taking this A seriously and only rely on STEM should probably review a little bit their position, if you know, see what I mean. It's mm. A is, is at the center of everything now. It's really STEAM, you see? And when I studied back in the day, it was STEM only. You know, being creative and artistic, but okay, what do you mean? I mean, you need to focus on your science. Now you need to expand and understand humans to have a good product. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Steve Jobs uh, was famous for oh, yeah. taking some of his um, employees to uh, art museums and exactly. You know, so, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely not no lack of art museums in France. So how do you so how do you think your arts of bringing helped you become uh, a product manager? Because you you took a big step. You started as a software engineer mm. and eventually you let you, you went to become yeah. a principal product manager. So mm -hmm. What, was the, what yeah. was the continuum here? What was the spectrum continuum that led you to, to go from what is essentially a very technical job to more, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, product managers consider product has a more um, broader field. Yeah. Um, I might surprise you, but I don't think the step was that big. And for me, it was more like a gradual transition. Um, well, you know, I learned about the importance of understanding the users when working as a software engineer. And I'm a very curious person, so I quickly felt the need that of the need of understanding them more. So I was making sure that I, what I was delivering was indeed what they needed, you know. And you know, my view of software development is that you build software for others, not for yourself. 
And that's even truer for product management. And that's how I ended up in this field. I mean, when I left uni, I didn't have a clear idea of what a product management was. What is it? But this is something I discovered when I started working as a software engineer. And also to come back to this creativity thing, I mean, I'm a fairly creative person. Um, yeah, uh, outside, outside my work. And so- Really? Know, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> can yeah, can you tell us? How, I like how is to, that? Uh, have any hobbies well, or? Well, I like to play the music, for example. I've played mm -hmm. music from a very young age. So this is something mm -hmm. I really enjoy. I like to, you know, to draw, even if, well, I'm not the best person, but, you know, I like colors. I like to, I like design. I like this kind of things. You know, I like, um, I like this. I like it. I like art. Yeah. Um, it's more hobbies. And uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm very good at everything, but <laughs> it's a hobby. So I've, I'm fairly creative. And you know the concept that starting from a simple idea or need and building a solution, creating a solution that will answer that need and probably make someone's life easier. I think that's super exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so when, you, when you were a software engineer, you started mm -hmm. to realize, oh man, this is going to impact yeah. someone's life. So yes. what's yeah. behind this, right? What's, you know, and... And how mm. did you get hold of the job of products? Did you mm. have product manager colleagues and you looked at them and said, oh, that's, yeah. that looks like a cool job. <laughs> I might want to do that. What was the... <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. Again, as I said, it was very gradual because I started as a, I would say, a proper software engineer. And then my next job was more uh, tactical software engineer. So basically I was kind of... Uh, uh, developing tactical solutions to our customers or uh, bespoke solutions to our customers so the, to fill the gap in the product, basically. So the customer call you, ah, I cannot make any this with your product. Can you give mm -hmm. me something uh, to achieve my need? So that was my first step into product management because I had to manage it end to end. So I had a customer calling me, doing my quick solution, delivering to him and getting feedback. And and then I, I mean, I started to then to work with product managers because this job to fill the gap was it had, I had to give the feedback to the product manager because that was something that needed to be integrated in the software. Mm -hmm. So that's how I gradually put my foot into the product management. And well, <laughs> off we go. <laughs> and are. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. All right. So I guess that's a question you probably get from time mm -hmm. to time. But what is your work day to day uh -huh. like? And yeah. How how is it? I mean, yeah. I, I I struggle to explain my job to my mom sometimes. Yeah. I guess some I've heard about it several times. Product managers they they struggle to explain what they do mm -hmm. because if you are a software engineer, people kind of get it. Okay, you're a coder mm -hmm. guy. You spend time coding mm -hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Um, if you're a designer, people get it. Okay, you draw yeah. something. So mm -hmm. when you go to this family meetings and you have your I don't know your mom or uh, your, yeah. <laughs> you have to tell what you do. <laughs> How, how, do you, how do you explain the job? Oh, right. Um, so my day-to-day -day, uh, first, before explaining, my day-to-day -day job is a day-to-day -day of any product manager, and I think it's super busy. We do so many things as, a product, as, as product managers. Um, so basically, my days are split between working closely with the tech teams on the execution of the requirements and also working with customers on gathering their needs. And, and a third part is about working with my peers, uh, my, my 
colleagues in product management. So we work on the product strategy on the longer term, what are we gonna do uh, in the future? So it's really broad, you know, um, you, you work, on the detail thing with a tech team there and, and, and you do have a distributed team across different i, I know you have offices in dubai yes. and offices in london yeah and I, yeah. I live in france as well so yeah so, different um, geographies right exactly yeah i the two dev i work with mainly two development two tech teams one most of the guys are in singapore and uh and the other team is mainly in france mm -hmm. so yeah you need to juggle with uh time zone as well <laughs> <laughs> that's another fun um but yeah it, it's product management is hard to explain but it's it's so broad it's uh you you're never bored it's it's amazing uh but it has a lot of challenges as well i think being a product manager has a lot of challenges um i would say the first one you know if you if we go back to the steam topic we just talked about this a this art thing um because you know, often as a product manager, you have you 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 are an, an an analytical thinker. You know that's mainly come from the STEM. You're very analytical, but to be a good product manager, you need to be a creative thinker as well. So you constantly need to think outside of the box. So you solve problems with innovative solutions. You constantly need to think of okay, how can I do that, and how can I be innovative? How can can I do that in another way? It's it's really, yeah. It's it's uh, yeah it's it's crazy, <laughs> and I think another challenge as a product manager, and I believe this is valid for engineers as well, is that you know we don't know what we don't know. I like the sentence. I like to say that we don't know what we don't know. So another challenge when you're a product manager is to never stop to be curious, never stop ask questions, never stop to learn. So you grow and yeah, and, and that's and your approach to the product change because you learn and it's very important as well. I don't know if I have answered your question. Yeah, I think so. And when do you feel um yeah, regarding creativity, how do you um when do you feel you're not being creative or when you feel kind of stuck? What mm -hmm. what is your go to strategy? Do you kind of talk uh -huh. to your colleagues? Yeah, talk, talk do to you colleagues. Go out for a walk. What do you uh -huh. do? A bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, first, maybe it's go out for a walk. <laughs> that's what a piece of everything. Just sh shut. Go. Uh, that's the first thing. But that's not always a solution. Um, often you need you need to brainstorm. You need to think with your colleagues. That's vital. Um, think with the and not only your product management colleagues mm -hmm. but your tech guys tech colleagues yeah. as well because right. they have other perspective you know yeah. they will bring other ideas again the question the, you you don't know what you don't know right exactly so you, have you don't know have this random conversations exactly exactly and uh for me that's one of the things that i found amazing in product management you're never bored you learn every day um so yeah. you have like i, I don't know are you guys still still remote um kind of yes we we now have starting to have uh, the office back uh mm -hmm. so we yeah we start seeing people in in real you know you can still have discussions with real people <laughs> uh this is changing the game as well because you know i mean it's been oh, almost two, oh, 18 months oh, 18 months that we all remote so the dynamic changed uh now we we are adjusting to it but when we all started to, to work remote everything changed because you know as a product manager you need to speak to people you need to and so you ended up with oh dear i need to call this person i cannot just 
pop up on the desk. I need to call this. So the dynamic for product manager, I think it required some adjustment, but now we get we here. But thankfully, thankfully, uh, I mean normal normal life. I'm not sure I can say that, but the life is starting again. So yeah. yeah well, whatever is left from normal whatever. life. So, exactly. so what is what is Kepler no. and what do you guys do exactly? Aha. Okay. Yeah, the big question. Uh, the big question. So um, Kepler was founded in 2014, so not that long ago. And it's a data intelligence company that provides transparency solutions to commodity market. What does it mean in practice? Uh, it means we track real-time movement of uh, commodities. So when I say commodities for person here who are not familiar with this, a commodity is crude, the gas, coal, iron ore, you know, all these things. Uh, the Everything resources, that yeah? makes the world go around, right? Yes, those ones. So we track real-time movement of commodities around the world, and we provide advanced analytics. So our customers who are, I mean, trading houses, industrial and shipping companies, we have financial players as well, all those guys can better understand this opaque market and make better decisions. So, um, right, to give you a, a high level picture of how it works, basically we aggregate a super large number of raw data and those data come from um, public and private sources. So we're talking about satellites, ship agents, customs reports, ports reports, port authorities reports, and then, so we take all those data, we aggregate the data, and then we use algorithm, machine learning, and analyst insights. So to fill the gap in the data and forecast the flows. So that's basically- And, and forecast as well. So and and forecast to, as well. To forecast to a certain extent. Yeah, as much as we can, yeah. Yeah, I guess no one <laughs> yeah. forecast COVID-19, but- nah, um, But it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm just thinking, I, yeah. I don't want to take a, uh, the routing too much but mm -hmm. um what's happening with the, the shipping lanes from from china and the impact on everything um supply chain wise like ships mm -hmm. manufacturing um, car things. manufacturing right mm -hmm. that's such a huge impact in, in the world economy because i guess still we're living the aftermath of what happened in 2020 exactly. that will take some time to it will take recover. some time exactly yeah so yeah, what, what do you, how do you think that the emergence of uh, platforms like Kepler, and I guess, mm -hmm. I guess you guys are not alone, uh, revolutionized the commodities industry? Yes, it's a very good question. And because indeed, it, it, it did, right? It did. Now we have Completely. a real-time platform where you can track yes. assets. This is the kind of thing that not even the CIA had, you know, yeah. back in the day, right? So Exactly. It, and now this did. is, you know, if you have yeah. the money, you can buy it. Yeah. Yeah, it did revolutionize the commodity market industry uh, because we brought transparency and efficiency to uh, a market that was completely opaque before. If you if you look at commodity market, uh, it has long, as you said, it has long remained opaque. But tech changed the game completely, completely. If you look at uh, even ten years ago, ten years is nothing. But 10 years ago, for example, um, having an access to info, easy access, I would say, easy access to information and commodities such as crude would have seemed just impossible. 
-hmm. So basically our founders um, back in 2014, so not that, that long time ago, yeah. got this idea of leveraging modern data technologies to the benefit of commodity market players. And trust me, that was something super innovative at the time. Yeah, and yeah, and there's still a lot to do. Uh, we, yeah, we have a lot to, to, to improve. So tell me, tell me about it. What, 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 do, what, what is your roadmap? No. <laughs> what is your roadmap? <laughs> okay. I'll not tell you my roadmap. <laughs> okay, so what fascinates you most about um, how AI machine learning ah, is, is leveraging yes. the... Yeah. you know the platform i guess for forecasting that might be super important yeah but you know ai yeah is super important for our industry but to be honest ai for me if we go back to ai in general it is fascinating okay if we just move a little bit away from my specific industry that people might not be very familiar with i think i would i'll take ai as a more general topic um I think it's, it's completely fascinating because what amazed me the most is that it basically, it's basically everywhere. And most people don't even realize how much is there. If you th think on our day, everyday life, I mean, AI is used, you know, you search something on Google or you log into Facebook and you get some content suggestions. We use your facial recognition to unlock your phone. I mean, the list of examples in everyday life is just endless. And what's also amazing is how, and I, I, like, I like to look into this, is how AI has been evolving over the last 70 years, because yes, 70 years, uh, I'll explain in a second, and how it's now at the center of everything. And I think it's, um, I, I, it's, it's important to understand the, the history of AI, because it's not only something that started a few years ago, because yeah. um, it goes back to the 50s. 50s is so, crazy, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And Alan Turing is the first who considers the idea of building machines that would reproduce humans' behaviors and reasoning. That was just the beginning. But what's interesting is that the revolution only started decades after Turing's first concept mm -hmm. and, and moved towards the idea of developing machines that would be able to learn. And that's a big, big change, the big revolution. So machines will not just re reproduce humans or human thinking, they would learn and learn faster and better. So that's very, I, I find it's fascinating how, how we, have, we are evolving AI. And, you know, machines are now able to recognize images, play chess, even drive. And how these machines are learning? That's data from data. The data is at the center of everything. So if at the moment, what we are seeing in the omnipresence of AI, everybody's talking about AI in recent years. And why? Why is it growing so much now? It's because I believe you, we see an explosive growth of the big data and the cheaper computational resources as well. So uh, now AI is everywhere because of this. But um, so, yeah, it's not only in, uh, in my industry, it's, it's, it's in our life. And if you, I like to, to look a bit more into AI, and I think in a way, it's, I find it quite paradoxical. Um, because on one hand, um, AI, we learn about you. 
we said that it's learning now. So it will learn about you, what you like. And so it will make suggestions in line with your wishes. But what's paradoxical and amazing is that now AI also will also suggest things that you never thought about. And that's, for example, you know what you get in Netflix, you know this thing that you, we see almost every day, you watch this film, you might like this one. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is coming from AI, you know? So in my opinion, AI is amazing, and, but what's very important with it nowadays, and that's something the new generations need to be very aware of, um, is that I believe we need to ensure that we keep our instincts and freedom of choice, it's very important. And, but I, I strongly believe we are now shifting toward a new world where humans, us, um, will need to, I would say, cohabit with self-learning machines. We'll need to learn to live with them. You see what I mean? Yeah. I mean, historically speaking, we have been very good at doing that, at adjusting mm -hmm. to new environments, yes. right? And, and living exactly. with, you know, viruses and bacteria and, you know, the, the changing yeah. landscape so yeah yeah um now artificial entities i i must admit that you know youtube's algorithm um uh, yeah gets me <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's, amazing, it's yeah? very 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 addictive because it, yeah. it gets to know you so so well so well yeah it gives you so well targeted content that you get it's crazy yeah? On. yeah so it's yeah and today i was kind of reading something on facebook it's like oh man <laughs> suggesting specific news um, yes. And it was so much in line to what I'm actually interested in right now, which is education. Mm. I was like, oh, this is, yeah. wow, this is it's amazing. Yeah. It's creepy. It is. It in is a way. Creepy. Yeah. Because that's why creepy. it's important to keep all, that's why I said uh, it can be very creepy. So it's, it's, it's very important that we use AI to help us, you know, live and make it maybe our life easier. But it's important we keep all, you know, freedom of choice instincts mm -hmm. and don't be. I mean, you can easily be, I mean, manipulated. You yeah, see what I mean? You can, yeah. absolutely. And that's, so, yeah. you know, new generations will probably and, learn to live. But they need to this. learn. It's, it's something that you, you said you're interested in education. I mm -hmm. believe that's some, a topic that kids should learn about. Mm -hmm. They need to learn what is AI and how it can impact uh, mm -hmm. their life, et cetera. Absolutely. Because instead of, yeah, just... Uh, um, yeah, we need to understand. Yeah, it's super important. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. I think yeah. uh, AI should be taught in you know high school. Oh have, yeah. You know, not, not has that they need to to know how to no, you know, not the details. Program AI no. or something yeah, like that. I think that's you know if they want later, for, later yeah, for sure yeah. later. But <laughs> that they understand what it is, that they understand the mechanics, and they understand yes. the power of the technology. The they power. understand also yeah. the power and the impact of the, the, the technology on, on themselves and i guess for the larger majority people you know the john the, joe still doesn't know yes about it. The, yeah exactly yeah yeah and right. it, that's, for those people it's scary it's it is scary for yeah. those people because they have the impression that it's manipulating which mm -hmm. is yeah maybe which is i mean but <laughs> yeah. of course you have to to be educated yeah. about it yes so how, exactly. how big do you think that this mm. will impact um you know ai digital transformation be yeah. on your on your industry in 10 years time because yeah. it's mm. very recent you just said it you guys have i don't know seven eight years mm -hmm. um so yeah. you have seen the progress of the last eight years in the industry of this 
what yes. has been essentially digital transformation, yes. uh, bringing online data and collecting and compiling. Exactly. And now yeah. AI revolution on top of that, how do you see the industry moving for the next 10 years? Yeah, in industry, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting one. Because uh, the example I just gave in the previous question, in my previous answer, sorry, were every, well, everyday life example, yeah. But indeed, AI has a huge impact on all industries. Yeah, and not only the one I'm working in. And uh, one big application of AI is to assist professionals in the day-to-day -day jobs. So doctors, solicitors, journalists, they all benefit from AI. Even so product if we, managers. Yes, I'll talk about this in a minute, how, how this is assisting us and in a crazy way. So first, uh, before talking about product management and AI, uh, how AI impacts us, is let's take an example. For example, a simple example of a financial analyst. Those guys, they can spend a huge amount of time collecting data, keying the details. But what they need at the end of the day is time to focus on the, on, on the deeper analysis. They, they need to be able to remove this tedious task and just focus on deeper analysis. So for me, AI big value in all the industries, it's cross industries, here is to automate repetitive and low value tasks. So humans, us, can focus on deeper analysis and innovative solutions, et cetera. And I think this is just the beginning of all. Um, you ask me where AI, uh, AI will be in 10 years time in our industry, it's difficult to predict. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball, crystal ball, but I believe it will be deep rooted into uh, our day-to-day -day lives, you know, day-to-day uh, job every day, uh, every, every, it will be everywhere. And it will be, um, well, uh, it will never replace humans, but it's a way to do better what we do. I mean, we need to see it as a form of intelligence that is here to help us and to assist us. Assist us. So definitely, I mean, AI will is transforming the industry and it, it will even more. Assist uh, us product yeah. managers. Sorry? Assist us product managers. Yes. Oh, every, well, everyone, but if, right. yeah, if we go back to my domain and think about mm. product management in general, um, AI, yeah, is key as well. Um, and its usage can only increase in the coming years, definitely. For example, thanks to the growth of big data, AI will help us as product manager to, you know, deep dive into customers' behaviors and patterns, you know, mm -hmm. to a level that humans on their own could hardly reach, I think. It's, it will really be able to analyze data and, and go deeper into the analysis. And what's the result of this? Uh, well, that it will allow us to target our users definitely more efficiently. Definitely. Yeah. What about your um, the industry you're working right now? How do mm. you see the impact of AI uh, in terms of forecasting? Is this going to give you more forecasting time? Is this going to give you... Um, what, where, do you, where do you see the, the KPIs changing in terms of the impact yeah. of AIs in the next few yeah. years? Probably, yeah, this. I mean, the more we'll, uh, we'll collect data, so we'll, uh, the more we'll collect data, the more the algorithm will uh, I mean, grow to... and learn right. and learn. And so we'll, and we'll data sources are, are exploding right now. You exactly. Have a number of satellites, exactly. real time giving you. So it goes together. Because AI without data, without data is nothing. AI is about, I mean, machine learning. I mean, not only, but it's a lot. So a machine, um, 
well, how a machine learns is from data. So we are growing the data. There is a, well, as I said before, it's the growth of big data is crazy. So uh, we grow the data means we help the machine to learn faster, better. And yeah, it's, it's exponential. Yeah. Right. Just like the dark funks uh, song, right? Yeah. Faster, <laughs> better, bigger. Exactly. And yeah. eventually we're all going to stay in the industry because like you said, you know, at the end of the day, product management, I, I, and I, we know, you know, we have lots of people that are hearing this show or hearing this show that are new to the, to the, mm. to the profession. So don't be afraid. I think there's lots of, like I said, lots of part, lots of the art of product management is, is still, it's still an art. It's not mm -hmm. just a science, you know, yeah. a, a big yeah. part of it, it's still an art and, yeah. and, and that yeah. is going to remain the, the same Definitely. way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you will not replace that with uh, AI. I mean, the artistic ways, the understanding human behaviors and everything. Mm -hmm. AI will be here to help us and be more efficient in our analysis of human behaviors mm -hmm. and making our innovation. I mean, uh, take the next step on, on innovation because we'll have more data and more uh, intelligence to help us to do that. You know, I mean, that's just how mm -hmm. it's AI in product management. It's really to ever grow. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Agnes, for this uh, conversation. Uh, where should people go to reach you if they want to? You know, uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a yeah. Go to LinkedIn. Go to place. Okay, so if you want yeah. to. Yes. Yes. I'm often have... on LinkedIn, so you will find me there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's the way to go. We'll we'll put some some of these links. So it cool. was great having having you with us. Thank you and... for having me. Thanks yeah. for, for joining also um, our audience, the Productize mm -hmm. podcast. If you enjoyed your stay, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with friends and colleagues. You also have show notes and more episodes at productize.medium.com. Join our community newsletter and we'll be sharing the links in the chat on the podcasts. Don't forget that next October 14th, I will be live with Hadi Kadat author of the new book, Radical Product Thinking, The New Mindset for Innovating Smarter. How can we translate vision and strategy into our everyday actions? Be one of the privileged to receive Radica book at a very special price and still get all your doubts answered on the live podcast. Get your book at lu.ma, that's luma-radical-product-thinking and... Um, See you there. Thank you. Thank you.